Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Turn to somebody and tell them this is where they belong. Amen. This is where they belong. And you're welcome. Amen. Somebody said the Lord is in this place. Certainly he is tonight. You have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter six or chapter 18 and I am going to read the first six verses of Jeremiah chapter 18. You will recognize it when you get there because you have read it, I'm certain, and you have heard me at times preach from this particular portion of scripture, but I go back to it today because of the prompting of the Holy Ghost. And I don't plan to preach very long, but I do have a word from the Lord for somebody tonight. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 18. I want you to hear what the word of the Lord says. And the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. I want to pause there for just a moment and underscore that phrase, I will cause thee. It indicates that there perhaps might have been some kind of hindrance or interference in Jeremiah's life where he could not see the plan and the purpose of God. But God said, I'm going to cause you to see it. Whatever it is that has hindered you or afflicted you, I'm going to take that out of the way because I have a message for you. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? It's a question. It's not a statement. God's asking if he can do with you And in one sense, he is stating, can I not do with you? But it's also a question. Can I not do with you as this potter? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In the year of 1464, a sculptor by the name of Agostino de Ducio began working on a huge piece of flawed marble, intending to produce a magnificent sculptor of an Old Testament prophet for a cathedral in Florence, Italy. He labored for two years and then stopped because there was something that he could not overcome. 
Ten years later, in 1476, another artist by the name of Antonio Rosalini started to work on the same piece of marble. But the more he worked, the more it became apparent what the first artist had come up against. There was a flaw. And so he, in time, abandoned his work. Several years passed and... 1501, a 26-year-old sculptor was offered a considerable sum of money to produce something worthwhile from that enormous block of marble that had been come to be known as the giant. And so he began his work. But almost as soon as he began his work, he realized what the first two had run up against. He saw the major flaw near the bottom of that piece of marble that had stymied the other sculptors, including, at that time, Leonardo da Vinci. But as he looked at that flaw, it began to develop in his mind what could be done with that imperfect piece of marble. And so Michelangelo decided to turn that part of the stone into a broken tree stump that would support the right leg of that being that he would create. The rest of his work took him four years until he had produced the incomparable David. Today, the 17-foot-tall statue stands on display at a gallery in Florence, Italy where people come from all over the world to view it. More than a masterpiece, it is one of the greatest works of art that has ever been produced. It has been said that this statue is no statue at all, but there is in it a perfection that goes beyond any reasonable consideration. They have said of this statue that there is none anywhere that are more perfect than this exquisite production by Michelangelo. And to think that it started with an imperfect piece of marble. It started with a flawed piece of material. A a piece of marble that was not perfect, but somehow the artist was able to take the imperfection and work it into the beauty of what he saw. Somebody asked him, how did he do it? He said, well, long before you see what you see here, I saw this in my mind's eye. And all I tried to do was liberate what I saw inside of that piece of marble. But it came from an imperfect piece of material. I want to drive that down in your mind and break it off tonight that it was a flawed piece of marble. Others didn't know what to do with it. And many had quit and turned away in frustration. But Michelangelo, the master that he was, found a way to work this imperfection 
for the good and the beauty of that statue. I come to tell you that there's one greater than Michelangelo in this building tonight. I said there's one greater than Michelangelo in this house tonight. And one that can take whatever there is in our life that is not right. And he can make it work for our good. He can take the imperfections of our life and somehow work them into the tapestry of who we are and produce in us something of beauty and value. When God wanted to speak to Jeremiah, he wanted to take him on a learning expedition. He said, I I need to show you some things about life, Jeremiah. I need to help you understand some things about where you are and about where my people are. I need to show you some things about the life of my people. And I want to underscore what I am capable of doing in their life. And so he takes him to the potter's house and there he watches as the potter works and labors over his project. What caught my attention when I looked at this verse again today is in verse 3 it said, And when I went down to the potter's house, behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. He wrought a work. That word indicates to me that there was labor and there was concern. There was a man who had great intent with what he was doing. He was not carelessly going about his job, but he was doing it with a plan and a purpose. You could tell by the way he was working with that piece of clay that there was a plan in his mind. He was not just hoping that something would turn out. He already had something in vision in his mind that he wanted to produce with what he was working with. And so he labored over this particular piece of material. When I began to think about that, my mind was taken to the fact that God works over you and I with the same kind of intensity. God is not careless in the way he handles us. And he is not careless in the way that he deals with our lives. Even when there are imperfections there, God continues to labor because God has a plan for my life. God has a purpose for my life. God has something in vision for me to become. And so God works with that intent. God doesn't operate like a lot of us do. Some of us just show up and we hope something good happens. We just go and we hope something turns out. But God doesn't operate like that. Before God ever moves, He already has in His mind what He wants that move to produce. Before God ever lifts His hand or He moves in His spirit, there is already a divine purpose that has been set in order. I'm here to tell somebody in this building that though you don't see it, God has a plan for your life and for mine. And He continually works on that plan and continues to labor over me with great love and concern. He is not careless in how He handles my life. 
He doesn't just reach out and grab something and throw it on the wheel and carelessly begin to work on it. But he labors with love and he labors with purpose. That's what I like about God. He has a divine purpose for my life. He has a divine plan for me. And though I may not realize it tonight, God has something for my life that is greater than what I can even imagine. He has something that he wants to produce in me that would blow my mind tonight. If he were to throw back the curtains and let me see the end product, I would look at it and say, no, God, surely that's not me. And God would say, yes, that's you. That's what I see in you. That's what I envision in you. And that's what I'm going to bring out of you. The trouble is all we get to see are the steps that God takes. We don't always get to see how it's going to turn out. But God has a plan. And so when I begin to look at that today and realize how intent God is in His purpose, He wrought a work on the wheel. He labored over it with intensity. He came to it with a divine purpose in His mind. He did not just sit down and say, well, what are we going to do today? What do I, what, what, what can I occupy myself with this morning? When he brought that piece of clay, evidently there was already in his mind what he wanted to produce with that piece of clay. And so God began to speak to me today about some of us that are sitting here tonight that sometimes think that our life doesn't count. And we think that it really doesn't matter where I am or where I fit or any of that. I've come to tell you you're wrong. It does matter where you fit. And it does matter that you know that God has a plan. And God's trying to work that plan out tonight. And if you'll just stay on the wheel and you'll stay under His hand, God can produce something in you that will blow your mind. God can transform your failures into a success story. Amen. He was flawed in the potter's hand, but God knows how to work that out. And so there he watches as the potter works and labors over the project. But he noticed that through it all, something was not going as planned. Have you ever had life be like that? Things just don't go like you planned. How many of us are frustrated tonight because life hasn't been going like we planned? Some of you had already planned on being retired by now, but life hasn't worked out that way. Some of you had plans to being farther down the road financially today than you are. Some of you didn't plan on going through the breakups that you've gone through in your life. But that's the way life is. Sometimes things don't go like we planned. And as Jeremiah watched that potter labor, he realized that something wasn't going to plan. There was something wrong. There was something that was not working out. And there was, the Bible said, a piece of clay that was marred in the hand of the potter. It was marred. There was a blemish. There was some imperfection there. There was some flaw that was not working. And things were not working out like the potter had first planned. 
Sometimes life is just like that. Things don't always work as we plan them to work out. There are people that wanted life to be a certain way. You know, you wanted a perfect marriage and you wanted perfect kids and you wanted a perfect job and you wanted a perfect home and you wanted a perfect vehicle and you wanted perfect friends and live in a perfect neighborhood and be connected to perfect people. But all that some of us have been surrounded by had been anything but perfection. <laughs> Life hasn't gone like we planned. We're not living in the perfect neighborhood. We don't have the perfect job. We don't even have the perfect mate. I'm not talking about her, I'm talking about me. We don't have the perfect situation. And a lot of our frustrations in life come out of that imperfection that is in life. Things don't work out. You know, I, I, I should be here and I'm here. I, I, I should be more financially stable, but I'm more unstable than I've ever been. I, I should be down the road farther than I am and here I am. I'm having to do things that I shouldn't have to be doing. Life isn't going like we all planned, but you hear me tonight. Even though things are not going like we planned, God still has a plan for my life. And God still has a purpose for my life. And many things break up our perfect world. And a lot of things can get into our lives that mar our life. And we get frustrated. But God knows what to do when life doesn't go as planned. God knows what to do when that job doesn't come through. When that situation doesn't work out, when those finances aren't balanced, God knows what to do because He still has a plan. You may be marred, but He's not. You may be blemished, but He's not. You may have an imperfection in your life, but He doesn't. And because He's working on you, he knows what to do when life doesn't go as you plan it. And God sent me here tonight to deliver a simple message to somebody that God knows what to do when life doesn't go as you planned it. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose. He will work it out. He knows how to bring things Together, he knows how to make it work. And when we think life is so messed up that it can never work right again, God makes it over another vessel. Mm. We think when life is flawed like that, that there's no hope. I've messed up too bad. There's no recovery I'll never be able to get back to where I was in God. I'll never be able to recover that. 
I'll never be able to know God like I used to know Him. I'll never know the power of God in my life. I'm here to tell you that no matter how flawed you are, God knows how to take the flaw in your life and make it work for your good. God knows how to take the imperfections in your life and work them into the tapestry of who you are and make you a better person because of that and not in spite of that. Amen. Things that will never be the same again in our mind. God said, you're wrong. Amen. You know, some people think that they're just a reject, that I'm I'm just a mistake because everything I do turns out wrong. Everything I touch turns to mud and not gold. Anybody ever feel that way? I know some people that everything they touch turns to gold and it seems like everything I touch sometimes turns into copper or pewter or whatever. It, it turns into, into nickel or worthless. I mean, fool's gold is what it... Everything doesn't go like I want it to go, but God showed me today and he sent me to tell somebody here tonight that though it's not, It doesn't look like things are going as planned. God still has a plan. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And if you'll just stay on the wheel, if you'll just stay with him. Come on, stay with me tonight. (laughs) Stay stay with him. Don't, don't, Don't leave. Don't get up and move. Somebody said, well, Brother Hughes, I just need a new church. Well, you know what? Go ahead and move. You're still going to be the same person in that other church you are here. You've got to fix your problem. You've got to stay on the wheel and let God work that out of you. If you'll let him do that, he can work it out. He can work it out. Nobody's talking about leaving that I know of, so don't think anything. I'm just saying. There's a lot of people in our life that, that, that will tell you, you know what you need is a change of scenery. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence, folks. It's still grass. You know what I've learned? Life is what you make it. It can be a heaven or a hell, whichever one you want. And it can be that if you understand that God has a plan. And even though my life may not be going like I planned, God still has a plan. He knows how to work that out. God knows how to get me out of my mess. He knows how to get me out of my dilemmas. God knows how to get me out of the crooked places that I get into in life. God knows how to do it. And God knows how to deal with my flaws. God knows how to deal with my flaws. God does not discard me because I have a flaw. God does not say, that ain't going to work. That that ain't either. That's how we think. That's how we react in life. Don't worry about that bottle. It's going to be all right. It's sealed up. But when God runs up against a flaw in our life, when things are not perfect as they ought to be, when we're not the kind of person we're supposed to be, when we don't even have the attitude we need, God doesn't discard us. He just 
intensifies his work on the wheel. He made it over again. The same piece of clay. You know, in my mind, I've always thought that evidently when the potter reached that point, that he reached in there and dug out that piece that wasn't working and threw it away. I don't read that in my Bible. There is no indication that that happened. That's what we think in our mind. It just says he made it over again another vessel. So evidently the flaw was not a problem with him. He had a way of working it out and working it in. So God knows how to deal with the flaws in my life. He doesn't throw me away. He doesn't find something better to work with. You know, you better be glad that I'm not God tonight. You, that's right. You better be glad I'm not God tonight. Because there's sometimes I get so frustrated dealing with situations and dealing with people that you just say, you know what? I think I'm going to find somebody else I can work with. And we throw them away. But God never discards us. God never throws us away. God never looks for something better. God still wants me. God still wants you. Flaws and all. Weaknesses and all. Mistakes and all. God still wants you with all of your blemishes because God has a purpose for your life. God has a divine plan and He keeps working with us. And God knows how to work it out. I've said that before. I want to say it again. And He can work it out. And God's not through with any of us yet. God's not through with any of us. He's still working. And there are some of us that have a few more flaws than others, but God knows how to work those out. God knows how to make them work for our good. So listen to your pastor if that's what I am tonight, or a preacher if that's what I am. Listen to me. Stay on the wheel and understand that God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life, and God still wants me. I read something the other day that stirred me like I haven't been stirred in a long time, a part of our history that I had forgotten. But in the early 1900s, the late 1800s, there were so many orphans in New York City in the metropolitan areas of the East Coast that they didn't know what to do with them, and so they began to box them up on railroad cars and ship them out across the United States. You can go and read it for yourself. It was called the orphan train. And hundreds of thousands of young boys and girls who were orphaned and left on the street were boxed up in trains and they were sent across the United States. And there was one particular young man and his brother that I was reading about the other day that were put on that train and they were sent out Somewhere along the line, they were separated. The younger brother went with one family and the older brother went with another. 
having gone through all that he was going through, he was only nine or ten years old, he decided that wherever he landed, wherever he went, and how they would do it, they would pull the train through town and they would parade all the kids out onto the wharf area of the, uh, of the train station and they would let the families come by and look at the kids and pick which one they wanted. And the ones that weren't picked were put back on the boxcars and shipped down to the next town. And this one little boy finally got picked. But by that time, he had already lost his dad. He had already lost his mother. And he had lost his only brother. And so he made up in his mind, wherever I land, it's only going to be for a night. And he said, I remember coming down to my first breakfast and sitting down at a table of biscuits and gravy. And he said, I was so ready to dig in. I just reached over and grabbed a biscuit. And while I was grabbing, there was a hand reached over and touched mine and says, oh, not before we say grace. And in his mind, he thought, okay, grace, and then we're going to get this biscuit down. And as soon as this biscuit's gone, I'm gone. But the woman began to pray. And she said, God, I want to thank you for your blessings. I want to thank you that you have given us a son. And when she began to talk to the Lord about what God had given, he began to realize she's talking about me. For the first time in his life, he said, I realized somebody wanted me. When they got through with breakfast, they went out to the neighbors. And the first thing this woman did was introduce their new son, our new son. He said, I realized at that moment, this was the best place that I could be in my life because somebody wanted me. Everybody in this building wants that feeling that I'm wanted, that somebody cares about me. And God sent this simple little preacher tonight to tell you that God wants you. He wants you with all of your problems and all of your imperfections and all of the things that are not working right in your life. God wants you because he knows how to work it out. He knows how to make it work. Amen. Let's stand together.